0: Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham, with us on the Weekly Standard, just back from New York, where he's got an autographed copy of the New York Post's latest editorial, no doubt, is Bill Kristol. Bill, what do you think of their full-throated endorsement of Donald Trump?
1: I was depressed by it. I've always liked the New York Post, um, uh, but I shows, suppose it shows that even good people can go bad, and the enthusiasm of the moment, I guess, they he's a fellow New Yorker, and they've dealt with him over the years, but... There's no serious argument in there about as to why he should be president of the United States, I've got to say. In
0: fact, if you read it, there's a lot of, he could be a good candidate one day, maybe, but right now he's not very good.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it is odd. And in fact, they criticize him on several rather important substantive issues. Don't cite a single thing. I don't really believe that he's done or said that they really admire or they, they say he's a successful businessman. Uh, but they think he's, you know, hit a chord. You hear that from a lot of people. He's tapped into something. He's mobilizing a lot of voters. Uh, you know, none of that. All those things, I guess, are real or semi-real, uh, not trivial, but they're not a reason to have someone become president of the United States.
0: Uh, and it's also fascinating that one day someone will put together the front-page stories the Post has run about Trump in the past regarding his. Peccadillos and extramarital activity and then their endorsement of him for president to follow up with that but it's not just um uh donald trump bill i mean it's not just the new york post new fox poll out shows that donald trump is edging towards 50 percent of the gop vote nationally
1: right and he's getting other establishment types who are sort of beginning to yield to him there's also i'd say a rebellion against him though against the inevitability so you have so sort of thing, two things going on at once. I think the opposition to Trump is hardening, and the support for Trump is hardening. And the big question is, you know, which of those numbers is slightly more than a majority of the Republican Party at the end of the day, which is slightly less. It's going to be a close-run thing, one way or the other. You know, when you look at the numbers and project out Trump's vote in the next few primaries and look at the delegate numbers, he's either going to win narrowly or or be denied the nomination pretty narrowly, which is why I wrote the editorial this week that, that uh, argues this isn't really the time to for hand wringing or whining or lamenting what could have been or we don't have better choices. If you, if you believe, as as we at the Weekly Standard, I almost universally do, that Donald Trump should not be president, this is the time to mobilize uh, and to make the arguments to to stop him.
0: Uh, and uh, it's interesting you talk about the. The ways the past people are finding towards Trump, one of them being simply just surrender where we're just stuck with him and other people telling themselves, as The New York Post did, Bill, you know, it could turn out okay. He you know, he's not a dumb guy. Uh, He has a certain appeal. Uh, Why is that? Why do you reject that argument, that trend in the GOP?
1: I mean, a would of course justify almost anyone becoming president who's, you know, not not an absolute idiot. Of course, people could turn out okay. Plenty of people could turn out okay. But <laughs> on the thing is, where he's where he's really staked out a position. I mean, he's got a, a, a over the top position on immigration, and I say this as a hardliner on immigration. it was against, against the gang of eight. But he's got a, you know, just a ridiculous view that he doesn't even really defend about deportation and and so forth. On foreign policy, which for me is very important, he's talked about uh, Bush lying us into war in Iraq, cutting the defense budget further, because there's all that waste. Um, and then uh, most strikingly is incredible sympathy for Putin, which I think is very revealing i mean he is he likes authoritarians around the world now it's a, would, a, would the next president have to figure out how to work occasionally with someone like putin sure that 's what being president 's all about but shouldn 't you have a preference for liberal democracies and finally, what is republican what is the republican party what has conservatism been about so much in the last? 10, 15, 20 years. The Constitution, I was just talking with someone today about the late uh, Antonin Scalia and how pleased we were that George Mason Law School has been named after him, and I'm, actually, I am actually have to emcee a dinner of the Ethics and Public Policy uh, Center Tuesday night, and he was going to, I think, perhaps be there, and so I'm going to mention the fact uh, that he was very close to this particular think tank. Anyway, we all love Scalia and what he stands for, and other justices and other legal scholars. Trump couldn't care less about the Constitution, limited government, self-government, the rule of law, for him it's all a matter of deals. I mean, that's really antithetical to a pretty deep, I would say, strain of the conservative vision, And, and really a strain that goes, incidentally, through different parts of conservators. There are libertarians, there are traditionalists, there are free market people, but all of them really share the sense that one of the worst things about the modern administrative state, the modern welfare state, is the corrosion of the rule of law, of limits on government, a kind of predictability that allows citizens to go about and live their own lives. And Trump couldn't care less about any of that. So why why bet on Donald Trump?
0: And also this notion that he would get better once he had the nomination in hand and there was nothing that the Republican Party or anyone else could do, that he would this would moderate him somehow. I'm thinking to myself, I don't know. No, oh, I, I think once he's got the uh, all all the cards in the deck, if he can somehow put that twelve thirty seven together and he gets it, his whole attitude is going to be: "You are now in Trump world. I'm going to do it exactly my way."
1: Right, and I think a lot of people will tell him you're behind in the polls, which you will be. You got to get a bunch of moderate voters. Why don't you give up this conservative idea, that conservative? A lot of people like Obamacare. Trump's never been part of the fight against Obamacare. Let's just tinker with it and make it better. I mean, that that kind of stuff will happen. I agree with that. So. But look, people have, have signed on. They're desperate for a victory. They were so disappointed in '08 and, and 2012 with Romney especially. And they're disappointed unfairly in some cases with the Republican congressional leadership not being able to do more. And there's just a huge amount of projection and wishfulness that's going into the Trump phenomenon. And I don't blame people for it exactly. I do blame them somewhat because they should be able to overcome that, especially people who are experienced and intelligent. But uh, there's a lot of that going on. And um, uh, that usually does not end well, you know.
0: Uh, And, you know, we talk about uh, Trump, you know, maybe one day he'll, you know, grow into something that conservatives can admire. But Hillary Clinton has been around a long time. She's run for president once before, fully, all the way through the primary and i watched part of the performance this week built to thursday night and she didn't seem any better at this than she was eight years ago back in 2000 when she was running for senate is she may be the one political creature that is impervious to experience
1: and to improve it i really agree with that i think she's gotten slightly worse as a candidate shriller less adaptable less nimble i mean she is older and that's one thing that happens and um, that's why it's so, of course, uh, frustrating. She is beatable. I do believe that actually Cruz and Kasich, both of whom have real limitations, uh, could both beat Clinton, actually. And I saw, I was at the New York City, uh, New York State, I guess it was Republican dinner last night in New York City. Trump spoke, Cruz spoke, and Kasich spoke. It was a very badly run affair. And, <laughs> excuse me, the security was horrible. That wasn't their fault. That was, I guess, the Secret Service slowed everything down. So poor Ted Cruz had to speak literally. They got like 10. 10, after 10 p.m., with people finally getting a d- dinner to eat, and a right. lot of other people, you know, heading home to be, you know, to relieve their babysitters, <laughs> or uh, you know, uh, they had, you know, cars sure. set up or whatever, you know, to go back to the suburbs. I mean catch certain trains it was really insane so it wasn't the best environment for him but he did a competent job i i, I think there are things i think cruz could do to improve as a campaigner and as a candidate and to reach out to more voters but i, I watching him i thought to myself you know I, i'd be okay with him and i think he would do he's a good debater and i, I think hillary clinton would be very nervous standing up there on the stage the for 90 minutes with ted cruz debating the substance of uh, hillary clinton and barack obama's foreign policy debating constitutional matters debating Obamacare. Um, someone told me that uh, I didn't see it. Ted Cruz was on CNBC this morning, Thursday morning, for an hour. And this is like an email from someone who's been around, him, not a huge Cruz fan, right. more of an establishment type, uh, who said, you know, he was very impressive. You, you listened to him and you thought he, he has a grasp of basic economics and would do things that would get our get growth going again, get jobs going, gr- job growth going again. And so, you know, if if, my, if he can be persuaded of that, I would say maybe other voters can, too. So I think Cruz has growth potential. Cruz will, Cruz will start the race three or four points behind Hillary, presumably, maybe more if the convention's a big mess. But, you know, a lot of voters haven't seen him much. And I think he could persuade a lot of voters uh, to rethink their slightly negative first impressions.
0: Well, one last thing. I just wonder how Hillary would feel standing on stage with Donald Trump knowing that his favorite Bible verse is an eye for an eye. I mean, I... <laughs> I
1: mean, <laughs> What? I, mean, I mean, you I still... could argue. People do argue that you know she'll get rattled. He's a great attacker. He look what he did to Jeb Bush. Look what he did to others. And that might be true, but I also think you know she will just decide to go totally safe and solid and non crazy and figure that most Americans at the end of the day will default to her rather than to
0: donald trump uh i well, there's two i'm t- of two minds this one is well he, you know he's running to help hillary so what he would do right. is on um, the debate he would you know, the final debate he would endorse her so that's part of, part right. of me right. and then the other part says no he really is the you know, megalomaniacal narcissist that he appears to be. And he would just like leap over the podium at her and have to track him away. And that would be that. But uh, in either case, it wouldn't be pretty. And thank you for the pep talk, particularly in the weekly standard. If no one's seen it yet, go to weeklystandard.com for your great piece about no whining. It's a message that should resonate with the GOP. Bill Crystal. Thanks so much for your time.
1: Thanks, Michael.
0: You've been listening to the weekly standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.